And good afternoon, KPFK, Los Angeles on your radio, 90.7 FM for all of Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, we're heard at 98.7 FM, and of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Hi, hello, and howdy, Michael Benner with Inner Vision now till 2 this afternoon, broadcasting live and direct from, uh, well, sometimes I say, uh, Luscious, subtropical North Hollywood, but today I'm freezing my tuckus off. I'm cold. I, I, you know, I used to live in the, in the east where it was cold and snowed, but my blood has thinned out since coming west. And just met a guy in the hall. He's about to go to LAX and take off for Minneapolis or Minnesota. Anyway, I hope you're warm and cozy wherever you are today. I hope that your holiday shopping is, if not done, almost done, and that you're pointing toward uh, a nice holiday weekend. Whatever holiday you're celebrating, if you've been celebrating Hanukkah or are celebrating Solstice or Christmas, which is coming up, uh, it's a holiday season, certainly. There's also Kwanzaa and New Year's and other holidays, too. I'd like to talk about the mystery of Christmas today. We're going to do one of these open phone programs where I set a theme. I do a commentary during the first part of the program, set the stage. Oh, I don't know, maybe make a few outlandish statements, see if I can uh, bait you and get you interested in maybe calling during the second half of the program. And... uh That's what we like to do when we do an open phones kind of a day. I set a theme, do a commentary, and then uh, after the break at 30, open up the telephones and give you, our valued KPFK listeners, a crack at it and a chance to be on the radio, which I think is very cool. I miss that in talk radio. Commercial talk radio has gotten to the point where uh, most talk shows don't even have guests anymore, and Few of them take telephone calls from listeners, and if they do, the listeners are discounted and yelled at and hung up on. I'm old-fashioned in that way. I like the kind of radio where everybody's a family and we don't need to agree. It's more interesting when we don't agree, but we come from a place of respect and really being interested, and 
Well, I'd like to put a new angle on Christmas today. I'd like to talk about Christmas. We are living in the United States of America. We are Westerners. We are a predominantly Christian, though pluralistic, society. And uh, I'd just like to... I've done this in the past, but it's been a few years. I'd like to talk about the mystery of Christmas. I'd like to talk about Christmas from an esoteric or philosophical point of view. I'd like to go beyond the usual debate between the secular approach to Christmas, you know, jingle bells and deck the halls and buy a lot of stuff and oh boy presents and Christmas shopping and how are the retailers doing anyway? And then on the other end, uh, the Christians who see this simply as marking the anniversary of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth in a manger and uh, in Bethlehem. And uh, go to a whole different position, actually. Again, an esoteric point of view of what is really being born on Christmas. And what is this Christos or Christness that seems to be almost never discussed, rarely if ever discussed, by people who call themselves Christians. I think they ought to call themselves Jesusians because the emphasis seems to be on Jesus, not on the Christos. And what do I even mean by that? And then I don't, I, actually, I'd like to talk at the top of the program also about. Uh, It's been years since I've done this. Uh, What do you say to the kids when they find out that you lied to them about Santa? That's where where I'd like to begin. We'll spend just a few minutes on that because I think I have a, a different kind of take on that too. So we'll talk about Santa Claus and Christmas and what that represents and what do you tell the kids when they find out you... You misled them about all of that. And uh, then into the mystery of Christmas, the esoteric Christmas. What is being born on Christmas Day? And then, of course, uh, take a break at about 30 and open up the uh, the phones for your questions and comments. That's my agenda today. This is a happy time of year for me, and it's made even happier by the fact that I'm about to go on vacation for a couple of weeks uh, my wife and I, and spend some time with some friends, go away, get out of town, and uh, we haven't had a vacation, not a real vacation in years, so I'm really stoked, really looking forward to it. Consequently, we're going to run best of programs a week from today, and uh, two weeks from today, and I'll root through my stack of CDs and find some really hot programs that ran a few months ago, earlier in the year, and replay those because you couldn't possibly have heard all of these programs. So that'll be coming up soon. And I just hope that you, too, are able to transcend the frenzy of this time of year. Um, You know, we talk about peace on earth and goodwill toward all at this time of year. It always strikes me as odd that at Christmas time. Even people who, you know, that that 25% of our neighbors who still think that uh, George Bush is doing a great job in Iraq, the 
the one in four people who just have this mindless obsession with war and fear and killing. Even those people at this time of year will say, even if they maybe they don't mean it, I don't know, but we hear, peace on earth, goodwill toward all. We don't really mean it, but we say it. Well, what if we meant it? What if we really meant peace on earth? Not, in, not Again, not in a religious sense. I mean, stop the war now, that kind of peace on earth. And what about goodwill? You know, it's really God's will that we're talking about, but it's even hard to use the word God without conjuring up images in most people's minds of this uh, old white guy in a cloud castle in the sky. We're still working on ancient archetypes here. But I like goodwill, God's will, goodwill toward all, to the exclusion of no one. Our president doesn't believe that. Most of our neighbors don't believe that. They'll say it. They'll put up a Christmas tree. They'll go through the ritual. They might even send you a card that says, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to All. But a funny thing happens in January. We suddenly lose our interest in Peace on Earth. Uh... We're after the evildoers. We're going to get them over there before we are invaded by those Al-Qaeda battleships and that Al-Qaeda Air Force and those Al-Qaeda submarines that are going to invade America, and your children will all speak Arabic if we don't get them over there. Domino theory revisited. And... uh Just pray for a day when people really mean what they say about peace on earth and goodwill toward all. And not put a timeline around it, not bracket it to a few days before and a day or two after this holiday called Christmas, this holy day called Christmas, and meet it in January and maybe mean it in February and and maybe mean it in March and so on and so forth. That'd be nice, huh? So it is interesting. Here we are, Pacifica. You know, the flagship station for Southern California, the station that uh, preaches peace. My wife Doreen and I were reading the KPFK mission statement last night, and one of the things that strikes me about the KPFK mission statement, we talked about it, was that there are no issues in it. It doesn't talk about the environment. The KPFK mission statement does not talk about human rights. It doesn't talk about uh, the economy or jobs. Well, it mentions the word economics and politics, but it's wonderfully free of issues. And yet one thing stands above all when you read that mission statement. By the way, if you haven't ever read it, You really should. It's on the KPFK website, kpfk.org. Just look around. I'm sure you'll find the mission statement in there. So even though devoid of specific uh, political or social issues, what's clear about the KPFK mission statement written in the late 1940s 
by a bunch of ban-the-bomb people after World War II, is this issue of war and peace. What is peace? And uh, that's part of the mystery of Christmas. That's part of what I want to talk about today. But first, let's just, let me, let me take just a few minutes. Maybe we'll get some calls on this during the second half of the show to talk about what are we going to do. I've, I have people come to me with this every year. Sometimes they come to me in January or February, and they say, I don't know. I think I really messed up. And I got busted. My kid found out the uh, Santa Claus deal and uh, that we lied to him. And I'm just concerned about the implications. I think a lot of adults don't know the difference between Santa Claus and God, the way they act in religion, the way they pray, and have this whole laundry list, like a shopping list that they should have mailed to the North Pole. Santa, I want a dolly and a bicycle. I want a new car and a bigger house and a spouse who loves me more. Santa, God, bring me these. No, that's Santa's list. The whole idea of petitioning God indicates to me, uh, at the very least, that we're not sure of the difference between Santa Claus and God. So if you lie to your kid about Santa Claus, please forgive the little boys and girls if they figure you're lying about the existence of some higher power, some loving and cohesive force that has to express itself in goodness and truth and beauty. If you lied about Santa, well, you probably lied about God, and you probably lied about heaven. So what are we going to do when the kid gets smart? Well, it's not a matter of smart. I think it's a matter of going to school in kindergarten, the first grade, the second grade. At some point, somebody clues you in and says, your parents are lying to you. There's, you're really buying that thing about the sleigh and the reindeers, kid? And going down the chimney and being everywhere equally present and bringing presents all the little boys and girls. And he knows if you've been naughty or nice, there's another one. And he's got a big book, and he's keeping track. <laughs> Do you see? Santa's like, uh, it's this God thing. We're not sure which is which. Here's my take on it. And then I want to get to the larger topic of the day, just the mystery of Christmas, esoteric Christmas, beyond religion. And happy solstice, by the way. That's essentially today or yesterday, this, this day. Today is the day when the sun begins its return or as the result of an earth tipped slightly on its axis. The sun moves a little higher in the sky by appearance. And so today, the days begin to get a little bit longer and none too soon and gradually just a little bit warmer. So happy solstice. If you ever wondered what a Christmas tree has to do with the birth of Christ, it's just the co-opting of pagan holidays. And the evergreen tree, of course, is a symbol that spring will return, things will be green again. That's what you're celebrating is the old pagan holiday with the evergreen tree. But that's okay. Easter bunnies and eggs don't have a whole lot to do with crucifixion and ascension either, but that doesn't stop people. It's part of co-opting the uh, the vernal 
equinox. Another pagan celebration. Line up all the Christian holidays with the pagan holidays pretty soon. All the pagans will be Christians. Pretty clever stuff. Here's what I think you tell the kids when they come to you and say, um, I'm not buying the Santa Claus stuff anymore. And, and I guess my uh, take on this as a counselor and again, I've been through this with families, with adults and with the kids too, is that there is something to be said for that 19th century newspaper essay, yes, Virginia, there really is a Santa Claus. I guess that's the way I feel about it. I think we should tell the kid, all right, fine, Billy, Sally, sit down. It's time. You're old enough now. It's time for us to tell you the truth. But that the truth is not We lied to you, and there is no Santa Claus. The truth is, Santa Claus exists. Santa Claus is real. As a spirit. Not as a flesh and blood human being in form. That was the part that we didn't think you would understand as a little boy or a little girl. That Santa Claus is really a spirit, an energy, a force, a feeling of of love and kindness, of thoughtfulness and compassion. Uh, A symbol of giving is superior to receiving. With certain, uh, if not religious, then spiritual connotations about the nature of love as more than an emotion, the nature of love beyond simply affection or romance, but love as a harmonious relationship of everything to all things. And we just figured you, you know, couldn't understand it until now. And there's all these traditions of Santa Claus and Kris Kringle and St. Nick all over the world. So, and the songs are nice and it's, it's a fun tradition. And no, he doesn't really come down the chimney. No, he doesn't really put his finger beside his nose and, and yet, Santa Claus is real. But a deva, a spirit, an energy, a force. Um, this is what, you know, the personification of, of evil is supposed to be as well. You know, Satan, uh, that's not supposed to be a real guy. You're not supposed <laughs> you know, uh, well-educated people understand that evil exists, but not as a guy in a little red underwear running around with a pitchfork, but there actually are uh, religious people who don't go beyond the symbols. They, they don't get the allegory. They, don't, they couldn't spell the word metaphor. They, 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 tragically, I guess they believe in the tooth fairy, too. These things are symbols They are personifications, and Santa Claus is a rich and beautiful personification. Why lie to the kid again? First you lied and said that he was real and coming down the chimney, and and then you lie and say, well, I lied the first time, there is no Santa. That's a lie. Why not just say the truth, which is, oh, Santa is real, but not in flesh and blood. Santa is real as a spirit, as an energy, as a force. My goodness, even Einstein put an equal sign between energy and mass. 
Even Einstein said everything that appears to be solid is merely a dance of particles bound together by energy and that they're convertible, they're, they're two forms of the same thing. Einstein with E equals mc squared, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, said spirit and matter are convertible. What the mystics have said all along, that spirit takes a material form, but then there is the energy that is spirit that does not take material form. And chief among that energy or that spirit is this concept of love as much more than an emotion. Sometimes I think it's even unfortunate that we attempt to use the word love as, you know, to mean an emotion of... Uh, of, of attraction or or affinity. I like you. Uh, 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 I'm interested in you. I feel oddly attracted to you. I want to put my arms around you and hold you close. I want to pull you. Uh, I want to, you know, have that merging feeling of two becoming one. Well, it's more than an emotion. That's our true nature is the oneness of things. But we get incarnated into these forms. Uh, we got to deal with the, the fact that there's some very different connotations about love. Love. I mean, I mean, if you think love is essentially an emotion, then you'll never get love your enemy. That'll never make any sense, right? When what that really means is stop frightening them, stop using fear, stop looking at the appearance of alienation and separation. So much for that. It's just tossed out. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm suggesting that you got an alternative to uh, admitting the ruse, an alternative to the crushing acceptance of, yeah, we lied, and now we're going to destroy Christmas. And instead say, no, we didn't lie. We just we just told you that Santa was this guy with the red suit and the reindeer and stuff, and uh, Santa is real, but a spirit. The idea of love as harmony, as that uh, magnetic force beyond emotion that uh, is attractive and radiatory and cohesive. The magic, again, you don't think that the car you're driving in now or the chair you're sitting in, the chair that I'm sitting in supports me not because of these tiny little particles, these electrons and, and protons and neutrons, these little molecules, these teeny tiny little particles all massed together. That's not what's holding me up. Matter is mostly energy. It's the energy. It's the magnetism. It's the balance of forces. Electrical, magnetic attraction, and centrifugal forces, balancing, orbiting. It's the energy that gives substance its substance. So, of course, energy is real, spirit is real, sand is real. Just a thought. And then the mystery of Christmas, the esoterics of Christmas... There's so many different ways I can talk about this. And again, I'd like to open the phones in a few minutes and get your impressions of what I just said about Santa and, and, and also this 
comment I want to make about the mystery of Christmas, the, the mystical Christmas or the esoteric Christmas. I guess one place to begin, a good place to begin really, is to challenge the idea that Christ was Jesus' last name. Uh, I've never seen any kind of poll, but I'm under the impression that most people either don't think about it at all, or they think that Jesus was the son of Joe and Mary Christ. People didn't have last names. You know, it was uh, it was Joseph Joseph uh, the carpenter, Joseph of Nazareth. And people would be, you know, I'd be like. Uh, uh, Michael of Los Angeles, rather, rather than Michael Benner. Christ is not a name. It's not a family name. It's really not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ, or Christ Jesus. You ever heard a preacher say that? Christ Jesus, and you thought, whoa, what's that about? Or Jesus the Christ. In other words, As I said a few minutes ago, I think the religion, as practiced by most people who call themselves Christians, would probably be better named if they just called themselves Jesusians or Jesusarians or something, because they're more interested in the man than the message, more interested in the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus in flesh, than the Christos. So what is Christos? What is the Christ? Well, it's a title. It's like Mr. or Mrs. It's like uh, Reverend or uh, or Rabbi or or Lama or Rinpoche or it's a title. Christos is a title. It means uh, the Redeemer. It means uh, the Savior. It means the Alchemist. It means the one who transforms and uplifts, that makes things better, that improves them. And as the story goes, the rabbis asked Jesus when he was about 11 or 12 years old, and he's teaching the rabbis at 12 years old, and they said, you know, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah that was prophesied? Is that you? And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. He was aware of it at the time. And we can go in a lot of directions with this. It begs the question, is this spirit made man um, the only Christ? Or are there other individuals in form or above and free of form, for that matter, who are Christed? Well, I can think of one for sure, and there's probably many that have visited this earth. Many that have been women that have been ignored simply by the fact that They are women. But certainly what Buddha represents, the Buddha nature as discussed in the philosophies, the various philosophies of Buddhism. Nevertheless, there is this uh, essential agreement or understanding that the so-called Buddha nature is in every person. And so as we approach Christmas here, I'd like to suggest that Christmas could be for you, in addition to everything else that it already is, an opportunity for you to consider that there is a Christos in you, a Buddha nature in you, 
if the kingdom is within, wouldn't the master be within as well? Maybe it's time for us to turn away increasingly, consciously, and deliberately from the fakirs and the so-called human masters and the swamis and the gurus. I mean, we, we, we certainly need teachers. We'll always need teachers. I have my teachers, and I teach. And I even teach teachers to teach. We'll always, <laughs> we'll always need teachers. But I'm talking about looking for one person, you know, Baba, Rama, Master, whomever, to whom you swear your allegiance, though they are fleshly, earthly, mortal beings, and then you follow them mindlessly. Maybe humanity has grown to a point where it's time for us to identify the master within, that you have a conscience and a consciousness that wisdom is available to those who sit and breathe and relax and dare to feel safe. And then we are inspired. We are imbued with a quality of insight and understanding. Oh, my God. Oh, holy cow. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I just realized? Listen to the word. Realized? And it comes with love and light. That's the amazing thing is inspiration. You may call it intuition. There's lots of names for inspiration to be breathed into, to inspire to be imbued. Funny thing about it is it sort of arrives full-blown, doesn't it? It's like, aha! And the light bulb comes on. I mean, maybe slowly, like, what did they say, the dawning of an idea? And maybe more like lightning and thunder. Kaboom! Rudolf Steiner has a great quote about being so inspired as if struck by lightning that the landscape was not only illumined but changed forevermore. By that insight. And, of course, in the middle, you got the light bulb. You know, Ford has a better idea. So between the dawning of an idea, being thunderstruck, or just the light bulb coming on, is this idea of, oh, I see. We're not generating that. You see, it's more of an alignment, a state of receptivity, a willingness to open yourself to inner wisdom and truth. It's a receptive state. We think of prayer again, as I said a few minutes ago, it's, we get that so confused with Santa Claus. Excuse me, God, hate to bother you, but I got a little list of things here that I need. It's like we're uploading the list to God. Not often enough, it seems to me anyway, do we think of sitting receptive in this alignment and asking God, hey, what could I do for you? There's a crazy thought. And standing open and receptive to, to the download of wisdom, of goodness and truth and, and, and beauty. And then to identify that Christos, that Buddha nature within you. Now, this is not just me. There's lots of uh, books on esoteric philosophy uh, there are many people that speak on this, and I ho can only hope that more and more people will 
Every year, as Christmas rolls around especially, talk about what does it mean, Christ born in a manger? The whole idea that animals in Bethlehem were kept in a wooden barn is absurd. There wasn't enough wood to build barns for animals. If you had wood, you would use it in your own home or for construction for people to live. Animals were not kept in wooden buildings. It's ridiculous. So what's the manger? And what are the animals? Well, each of the animals have an esoteric meaning. I, I, I can't go over it now. The three wise men, the kings, and the gifts of the kings. If you go beyond the literal story of nativity and begin to think symbolically and metaphorically at what they might represent, being guided by a star, that they were oriental magi, magicians, wizards, you see, that came. Is it is it is the is the birth that we celebrate in the manger, the birth of a man of Jesus, or the birth of an energy, an idea, a spirit, that we are more than we appear to be, that we are spiritual beings, yeah, in form, but also as I said above and free of form. We are energy beings. We are consciousness, and that consciousness is love. Again, not the emotion of love. But the harmony of being at once, both separated, individuals, unique, and part of the one thing. Well, how could that be? How could we be part of the one life, the one thing, emanations of the one God, if you will, what philosophers call the absolute, and still in form be so different, even not just diverse, but unique? How could that be? Am I the one or the many? And, of course, you're both. Well, how could that be? What is that middle component that changes the or to the and that allows the one to manifest as the many without being diminished, that, that causes both things to be true, that the, the beauty of diversity and uniqueness in all beings. you got DNA proof and fingerprint evidence. And yet, even in ecology and environment, we see how everything touches everything, the inner reliance and the beautiful interdependence and symbiosis of everything needing everything else, touching everything else. Separate in form, but unified by our need for each other and our passions and compassions. What is the mystery in the middle? That's the Christos. That's the Buddha nature. And it's in your heart and it's in your mind. And these are all beautiful stories that have been handed down. And each of us has a responsibility to decide how true they are and how literal they are. But my goodness, why would we stop there when we could flesh out our understanding and the impact that these teaching tales these philosophies have on our lives and the way we live. Why not go further with this to the mystery of the Christos, the mystery of the Christ, born in the manger, in the center of your heart, or in the center of your brain. Okay? And what does it mean to be in the middle between heaven and earth, between God and man, between spirit and matter. It's rich. It's really beautiful. It's very, very, very wonderful 
understanding that I'd like to bring up since it's Christmas time and the, <laughs> the big debate seems to be, are we going to make it a religious holiday or are we just going to be materialist about it? Well, there's more going on than that. And especially with so much darkness in the world, so much cruelty, so much hate. Our enemies are called terrorists because they try to frighten us. And our leaders use the same fear and try to frighten us. Always be aware of those who try to frighten you, whether they call themselves the good guys, whether they call themselves patriots. They might even wear American flag pins on their jackets, but if they're using fear, beware. Because uh, that would be the absence of what we're talking about here, the magic of the Christos. So what do you think? Go to the phones, 818, we'll take a short break and come back with your calls. On, on, on either this idea, the esoteric Christmas, the mystery of Christmas, going beyond religion and that silly debate about it's too materialistic, to the idea of what is love, what is the Christ, what is Christos, what is the Buddha nature, what does it mean that the Master is within, that wisdom, that goodness and truth and beauty is available to us and can be born again. I'm glad somebody may think they've been born again, but why stop there? How about tomorrow, born again? How about again and again, with every breath, with every opportunity, with every conflict, with every adversity, with every falling out with somebody you say you love, with every disease process, to be born again and again and again and again, to reorient yourself, to find this middle Pretty rich, pretty cool. And then we'll let the religious people, the the Jesusians, they can have their religion. That's great. That's cool. That's, you know, fine. We're not talking about making it bad or wrong. When new truth arrives and expanded understanding, it just makes the previous incomplete. doesn't make it bad or wrong. I'm, certainly, I don't oppose any religion. I think everybody gets dignity, and if they aspire to want to know more about the unseen and the invisible, then that's good. That's that's good. 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK in the 818 area code if you have comments on this for me. Questions or comments or the uh, opening topic about what is what, what do you say to the kids when they bust you and say, you lied to me about Santa Claus. We could talk about that too. We'll be right back after this short break. Michael Benner, Intervision on KPFK. KPFK in your very own radio about 22 minutes before the hour. Michael Benner with Intervision. We're live and... uh, about to go to the telephones. Again, uh, next couple of weeks, Intervision is going to run best of programs. I hope you tune in. We're going to find some good ones from the past year that maybe you didn't get a chance to hear and play those for you. And uh, so let me just thank the staff here. Uh, somebody's got to be at KPFK every day. Somebody's going to be here on Christmas and and uh, New Year's Eve. And, and uh, somebody will be here on New Year's Day and 
You know, it's really remarkable that this radio station uh, uh, even happens to hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people who who volunteer and uh, and uh, and others, staff and management, people behind the scenes. It's just remarkable, and and so I, uh, again, at this time of year, just sort of well, just feel grateful and privileged that there is this. Pacifica Mission and this radio station in Southern California, because there's not much else out there. Take it from a guy I left radio 25 years ago as a career and had to find something else to do, because, well, you know the story of what happened to radio. So anyway, happy holidays, happy new year. We're talking about the mystery of Christmas, the Christos, the Buddha nature, the birth of a master within, the source of real esoteric wisdom, and maybe Christmas can represent that, in addition to the other stories and myths at this time of year. So let's go to the phones. We'll start in the San Fernando Valley. AJ, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi, AJ. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Better and better, thanks. How's uh, about you? I'm, I'm doing great. Happy solstice. Thank you. Hey, I've been uh, looking forward to your show each week more and more and making it a, a part of my week, so I appreciate that spreading the, the, the positive vibes around. But, hey, I've got this theory I wanted to run by you and get your ideas about. All right. You know, they say God or even Santa Claus or Jesus as, as a representative of, of the such is is all, both good and evil and all-knowing and all-powerful. But how can that be as well? How can God be all as well as all-loving at the same time? And here's my theory. Okay. I think it's because God chooses to be. Well, I think as far as that goes, I certainly... You know, there's a debate in philosophy down through the ages of whether God chose to manifest the physical creation. And and some women and men, uh, well-studied in philosophy, will argue that God had no choice but to create physical dents as an expression of itself for... Love requires or mandates an expression. How do you and I feel when we don't express who we are through our behavior and our actions? And so, yeah, I certainly believe in divine will as volition or choice. And I think we as humans have the same power within us because God is within us. That We have both good and evil within us, but we may just choose to to express the good. That is, that is our power, and that's what I'm hoping we can all do as humans. Well, I like that, and not only I would argue to express the good, but to transmute or uplift the evil or the bad into goodness, to save what about bad is worth saving and throw away the rest, so that we become, uh, what do I say, disciples, aspirants, you know, in that process, just bringing heaven to earth. There's so many so-called religious people that just want to get out of here and get their own fannies into heaven, you know, and... Maybe our job has more to do with bringing heaven to earth and making this planet suitable for spiritual beings, because right now there's not a whole lot of room for us. Oh, and I think we can do that. I think we have that power. I do, too. Great, Michael. Thanks, AJ. Have a great week. Merry Christmas. Who else have we got here, Brooks? Had a lot of good calls. We're talking about esoteric Christmas and the mystery of Christmas. You're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi. Who's this? I guess everybody on the line has to speak up. Who we got, Brooks? I'm not seeing anybody here. Jerry, you're on KPFK. It's Intervision. 
Hi, Jerry. How you doing, Michael? Got you now, buddy. I'm better and better. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Everything in Costa Mesa going okay for you? Well, other than traffic, yeah. everything's going. Yeah, I understand uh, that. Just stuck at a light. Uh, I'm a devout pagan, and I want to just have everybody realize that this was our ceremony long before the Christians joined in, and they seem to forget that they're late to the party. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like as a devout pagan for the Christians to know about your ancient wisdom? Well, uh, just that we were all inclusive. I mean, we recognized that their God was the same as ours, and so we let them join in. Uh, but they don't seem to reciprocate. And once they sort of got their nose under the tent, they took over and uh, don't recognize any of the other gods or that our gods are all, you know, just many facets of the same jewel. And uh, and we all realize that, you know, that when we said there were many gods, we understood that it was just man- different manifestations. But, uh, you see that in Hinduism where they have both the concept of many gods, but also a overarching concept of Atman and Brahman. Right, the Atman. Right. Uh, yeah, so just leave us not forget that uh, the real original ceremony was the winter solstice celebration. And the birth of Jesus was brought around, I think, three or four months to align with it, uh, just so they could join in. Yeah, and as I said earlier in the show, that helps us to understand why uh, the uh, Easter Bunny and the uh, and the colored eggs have anything at all to do with crucifixion and ascension. Yeah, it's the goddess Estri. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fertility right in the spring, but uh, exactly. How odd that, that Christians don't even, you know, they, they inculcate their kids into these traditions and they, they don't say, wait a minute, Christ died on a cross, what is with the Easter Bunny? Well, even, even the symbols at Christmas are all our old symbols, like the tree and the mistletoe, which grew on oak. The Druids were the oak wise, and the mistletoe derive the essence of the yoke. So that's why it's still out there. Excellent. Very nice. Well, Jerry, happy solstice, and thanks for calling us. Thanks. You too. Bye. And uh, let's go to Burbank Dutcher on KPFK. It's Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi. Michael, I have to say, for starters, it's a shame that your show is only one hour a week. Well, thanks. When when you open up a topic like this, uh, it could fill a week's worth. In all of its ramifications. So, thank you for bringing this up. Well, thanks. There, there is, of course, the show business axiom: always leave them wanting a little bit more. So. <laughs> true story. True story. I'll be sure to tune in next week. <laughs> what, what I wanted to say was that perhaps uh, Jesus the Christ, as you so aptly put it, was one of the few people on the earth, uh, or at least most publicized, for realizing that he had within himself what we all have. As you say, the kingdom of heaven is within, as Jesus said, as I, as I do, you can do this and more. And I think it stands to reason that if we just realize that we all have and are made up of exactly what the Christ was, and it just takes the, the mind shift and the heart to say, ah, we are all this and more. Yeah, I sure would like to see in the West, among the 
Judeo-Christian traditions, something like we see with Namaste in the East. When we greet each other and acknowledge each other, we acknowledge that that inner Buddha nature, that Christ nature, the God within the violet flame, whatever you want to call it, before we go about greeting the form that it takes as an individual human. I would love to see that level of um, of awareness practiced in the Western world. Maybe we need a, a, a word besides namaste or namaste, something more Western that that we could that we could use. I'm not sure, but I sure would like to see that as a greeting in the West as well. Indeed, it, we could do to replace the "How are you?" greeting, which seems to just <laughs> in, in, invite uh, problems. Oh, my sciatica! You really want to know? It is a funny dance. Nobody really wants to know. Indeed, indeed. Well, awesome. perhaps namaste for now, and we'll work on our own our own interpretation and uh, realization that we are one and we all do have the same abilities, capabilities. Indeed. Dutch, thanks for calling. Thank you so much, Michael. Hope your holidays are rich and wonderful. Indeed, as, as uh, with you. God bless. God bless. Merry Christmas, Happy Solstice, Hanukkah. What else have we got? Kwanzaa. It's a Muslim community, didn't they just do Ramadan? And then, of course, the new year. It's just a good time to kick back, take a few days off, and uh, maybe even more than a few days off, and be with friends and family. We talk about the holiday season. I guess we sort of include Thanksgiving. And and uh, some people might even say uh, Halloween. It's funny, we group them all. We have more holidays coming up. Dr. King's birthday. I would love for that holiday to grow. That started out controversy, as, as a controversy. I think there may, there's still some states in America where Dr. King's holiday is not practiced. And I'll tell you, my feeling is that the resistance has little or nothing to do with race or civil rights. I think, I think it's, uh, the fact that he was a pacifist. When he went from Civil War activist to anti-war pro-peace activist, when he started pointing out that America is a nation born in revolution that then reverses itself and opposes revolution, that's when Dr. King painted a bullseye on himself, I think. What a wonderful holiday that can be. That's coming up in January. In Winnetka, Linda, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi. Oh, hi, Michael. Thank you for taking my call. I know you're busy. Uh, I just wanted to mention one thing from several sources, uh, some of whom have uh, learned the ancient uh, language of Aramaic, which was what Jesus spoke. Uh-huh. He, he never spoke of good or evil. He, he never labels anything good or evil. He spoke of things either being ripe or unripe meaning that it was either their time or it was not their time. Very nice. But he, he never laid a good or evil thing, because that's a whole different kind of judgment. Well, that I, I like that, because I think it's essentially metaphysical. Uh, we think of cold and heat, or 
dark and light as being opposites, but as anybody that, you know, studies science in the eighth grade knows that light and heat are real energy phenomena, and that darkness and cold are not energies. They impact us. They're, they have a certain reality, but only as the absence in a relative. Absence, absolutely. Yeah. So if it's just not ripe yet, that's what, you know, I mean, evil is an anagram for live, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know it is. I know it is. And, you know, I, I wish some of these people who proclaim to speak to Jesus and he speaks to them and everything would get the word that, hey, Jesus never never cursed anybody as being evil. I just wish they would emphasize that that uh, these things I do, you can do and more. Where are the healing ceremonies? Oh, and, really? And uh, why aren't we all walking on water? Well, that's because they want us to believe that we are separate so that the church can make money off charging us so they can tell us what we're supposed to do and interpret what Jesus was talking about. Yeah, you got it. That's what Constantine knew when he said, I want to rule all of Europe and most of Asia, but I don't have the institutions. So let me just look around. Oh, churches are, I'll just, I know, I'll convert from paganism. I'll be a a Christian, a Catholic so-called, and the church became the state, the state was the church, and uh, a thousand years of dark ages and misery. <laughs> hey, that's, that sounds like what's happening here with some of our uh, I think you're right. There. When you got a president that <laughs> thinks that, uh, yeah, he's uh, president's talking to God, ignores his earthly father, but talks to God in heaven. I think... Uh, oh, well, that, that's because God wanted him in the White House. He told wa- everybody, so... And wants him to kill a bunch of children, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. in the name of God. There you go. Pretty crazy. I know. So, so many people have been slaughtered in God's name. If I was God, it would make me sick. Well, the fruit is ripening, girl. Absolutely. It's getting riper every day. Thanks for your good call. Thank you for your show. I love it. I listen every Friday. Thanks. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, the whole parcel of them. Let's take one more quick one. We just have a few minutes in Los Angeles. Grace, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. And what a nice name, Grace. Thank you. Hold on, I'm taking off my speaker. Okay, I took you off my speaker, and I wanted to say I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. I believe in Santa Claus. Good, I do too. I I believe in Santa Claus all of my life, life. And when when I was 13, my younger brother (laughs) told me, he said, Grace, there's no Santa Claus. And I had to believe him, right? So I had to go through a few years of, you know, going through Christmases and having a very cynical attitude. And then I was a a young woman. I was was, uh, practicing a, a different religion and all that. And we don't really celebrate Christmas, you know. Now I realize we we celebrate every holiday you can think of. Uh-huh. Um, and then one day I woke up and I said, "Of course Santa Claus exists because how how does the magic of my being able to get things for my family happen? Being a single mother and then being a single grandmother, parenting for children. And you know, I said the only it was a miracle. And I realized I said I believe in Santa Claus because." Somehow I get a tree, and something gives me that, and it's that spirit that I believe in, and I call it Santa Claus, <laughs> and I have to, I have to. It gives me, it gives me a lot of joy during the holidays. I read an article that was 
rolling around the internet recently, you know how recently, you know how these things pop up on the internet and people email them and forward them to each other. Supposedly a bunch of sayings by school kids, little kids, kindergarten, first grade kids, defining love. And I was really struck by one, supposedly a little boy of five or six years old that says, love says, love is how it feels after all the presents are opened on Christmas morning. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And, and, and that's how I feel even at the start of, of the holiday. It's like we bring in the magic ourselves and the magic is the belief. The magic is in the belief of the goodness of mankind. No matter what's going on around us, I may be very disappointed. In, in our government and in, in the politicians and so forth. But basically, and I, I, I tell people, I guess I've had this fault all my life, I believe in the goodness of people ultimately, and I think that's what holds this world together. Well, your parents did a great job in naming you Grace, because that's <laughs> it. That's exactly right. And, and thank you for a wonderful program. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody for such a great year. We're looking forward to... The next year and years after that, 007 on the horizon. Happy solstice to you today. I hope your Hanukkah was abundant. Your Christmas is beautiful. Uh, Kwanzaa, New Year's, whatever you got. Uh, it's all about love. It's all about that wonderful harmony of unity and diversity balanced. It's about generosity and kindness, forgiveness, compassion. And I hope your Holiday season is filled with health and prosperity and abundance in relationships as well. And, uh, again, we're going to take a couple of weeks off, but we'll be back in January. Best of programs in its place. I want to thank D'Angelo, as always, for this show and for a great year as our engineer, faithful and always on duty. And Brooks for the great job that she does as our producer. My wife, Doreen, who helps me in countless ways. And uh, to each of you, supporters of this great mission, this uh, radio station, and, uh, of course, InterVision with your listenership, uh, telling friends about InterVision, and, of course, at fundraising, your support as well. Uh, I wish you all the best in the new year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Bender. Listening to Intervision on radio powered by the people, KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and universally at KPFK.org.